Well, the music's over, and here we are back to start the show with no music at the beginning, because we didn't listen to it. We were talking to each other. That's what happens when you blab and blab. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio, and however many seconds of dead air that you just heard is uh, my fault. So I apologize for that. Uh, but we're here, Calvin and I, and you can give us a call if you'd like, 323-642-1484. Calvin, buddy. The NBA trade deadline was last week, and uh, surprise, surprise, as predicted on this show, the Celtics did nothing. Right. Uh, yeah. I. You know, I hate admitting that I'm wrong. You know, I hate that. And I'm not sure that I'm. I'm not sure that I'm ready yet to admit that I'm wrong. You know, after the. I, I said last week that if Danny Ainge came here and he and he didn't do anything at the at the trade deadline, which you know, like you said, we both predicted he wouldn't do that. I would, you know, I'd come on the air and I'd blast him. And it seemed like, I feel like for the most part in you, you can, you can tell me if this is uh, not the case, but I feel like the, the, the reaction from most Celtics fans is good. It's good. I'm glad Danny Ainge didn't do a move. Do you think, do you think that, uh, is that the I, reaction you're I don't, getting? Or? No, I, I don't think that they're saying good. I'm glad, but I think that they are indifferent to the, him not making any moves. And I think a lot of Celtics fans believe that, that the way that the, the team is going, uh, whatever he would have had to give up would have mortgaged more of the future than they would have liked to get some, get a little bit further this year. I don't, I think in reality, Celtics fans realize once you were out of the picture for Paul George and you're, you're not going to get the, the Jimmy Butler's of the world, then this year is just another throw it, throw in the towel, have as much fun as you can until the end of the, of the run type of year, and go at it again next year with a championship frame of mind and try and do some more things in the off season. So, no, I don't think people are happy with it. I, I feel I feel like they're just allowing the window to be extended a little bit for Ainge, which to me, I mean, it was it was the same size window the whole time. I still feel like. The, three or four years ago, we were saying it would be great if there was a, another championship contender in five or six years. And so he's got another year or two before the, the window that I established in my mind a few years ago closes. And I, I think the majority of Celtics fans, at least that get picked up in the airwaves out there, uh, are just, in, they, I, I feel like they're, they're kind of flaky, to be honest with you. And they just go where the wind takes them. And in this case, Danny Ainge is the wind. Yeah. uh, Or you're cutting out. So let me know if you can't hear me. All right. And I'll I'll switch over. But uh, um, you know what? I'm just going to switch over. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I think you probably Uh, should. I I think I telephone number. (laughs) Don't even know our own telephone number. It doesn't sound too great tonight. Last week we had a lot of. I got right. it. I got it. I see it over here on the screen. Gonna, Last week we had a lot of success with me on the computer till the end of the show. But yes, for in case you guys are wondering. So in the meantime, um, I will uh, just take a look at the board and splash a little too many cooks on the people. Why can't I hear it? Oh, there it goes. <clears throat> All right, that's enough. 
Um, he's back. Hello, Calvin. Hello. Yeah. So I was, I, you know, immediately after the trade deadline, I went in hard on age. And like I said, the reaction I've been getting, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe people are with you actually, maybe it is just the natural defensiveness of guys like age who, you know, there's no question that Danny Ainge has been a successful GM and like just because you know, he may make a wrong move at a particular trade deadline or just because I think he's been too much of a hoarder with his assets and you you can, you know, see just based on the fact that like you, you know, the guys they've already had to let go, you know, your the R J Hunters of the world you know, end up getting out of a year or like you know, traffic like Jordan Mickey, like near the organization aside from being a hardcore fan. Right. But uh, what, the way I, the way I read that situation is uh, that Danny Ainge either a was uh, there's three, there's three scenarios that run through my head here and only, only I'm only okay with, with one of them. Uh, actually, I'm, I don't even know if I'm okay with any of these, but A, he's holding on to Bradley because he was talking about Jimmy Butler and Paul George, and uh, he is not interested in trading him that early for, for New Orleans Noel until he realizes that he can't get Butler, and by that point, Noel's gone, right? So he's, in that situation, he's willing to trade Bradley for, for George and, and Butler, and as much as I love Avery Bradley, uh, I'm okay with that. Situation number two is he – or, like, the Sixers were late to the party, right? And and they, they came – they approached Ainge too late, and he had already decided – no, he, he, he'd already made up his mind that he was going to – to uh, as, and when I say late to the party, I should say late to the party as far as wanting Bradley is concerned because the report came out after – Noel was traded that they were interested in Bradley. So no, that's you, not true. you never know what the timing of these things is, right? So either they were late to the party on Bradley or 
Ainge was not interested in trading Bradley whatsoever. And he was just going to stand pat with him as one of those players that he he looks as far as a looks to as far as a value add or or something like that. And listen, I love Avery Bradley. He by far is my favorite Celtic right now. And just the way he 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 composes himself on the court, just the way that he go about goes about his business. His first game back the other night, even or last night, even though they got killed, he was all over the court. He and he only played a few minutes, right? But he was he was aggressive. He looks like he's getting back into into form. I love the guy. But you have to be willing to trade one of these pieces if you're going to try and get something that's going to improve your future. And I think Nerlens Noel is a cornerstone defensive player in this league, and he's going to be going forward. So I would have considered Bradley for Noel straight up, and I know that's tough. But the problem is that you don't know what Philly was offering in return. So what's the timeline, right? Did Bradley come into into play for Philadelphia after they traded Noel, or was Ainge stubborn on Bradley before Noel was traded, and why? Why was he stubborn on Bradley? We don't know. Well, the, the, re, yeah, the report that, that the 76ers are very interested in Avery Bradley came out before the New Orleans Noel trade. And I think that if you, again, if you just look at what New Orleans Noel was traded for, I, mean, I, I think that it's not unreasonable, not unreasonable at all to assume, yeah, assume that they'd be willing to move him for Bradley, right? I think his age had sure. to scuttle about that particular deal, and if it had to do with with at that moment, uh, you know, he had Bradley included in some other deal he was working on, then that that element of, of you know that specific trade is is not that big a deal to me, except for the fact that yeah, Noel ultimately went somewhere else, and and he is you know what he is a 22 year old who still has a lot of upside. Has, has played really well this year. In, in I feel like people. You know, in the shadow of what Embiid's done, and we'll, I have a lot of thoughts on the Sixers that we'll get to later. But I feel like in the shadow of what Embiid's done, people have sort of not really noticed what this you know healthier version of Noel has been has been doing this year. I'm not saying he's phenomenal, but if you're talking about a guy who can play in the modern NBA, the you know the pick and roll, be able to switch defensively, center that the Celtics fans have been saying they need it, and again he's 22. I think that's that's the kind of guy you have to jump on, right? Yeah, that's him, but, and that's that's yeah. why I would. I, I mean, Noel for Bradley straight up at this point is kind of it's, it's lofty. You know, you're banking on the potential of Noel as opposed to what you already know you have in in Avery Bradley. But if you want that defensive prowess in the paint that you've been clamoring for, this is your guy, and he can play pick and roll, and it's going to be for many years to come. So I would have I would have been okay with with a a good value value trade for a guy like that. Not don't overpay for him. Don't throw in the Nets pick and all this other junk or a couple yeah. of players. One for one, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, but like I, said, I wouldn't. Still way so, than, yeah, yeah, way better than what no, they go got ahead. for him. Like, see, yeah, I think right. they ended up settling for basically just Justin Anderson in a second because Bogut's uh, value is only as an expiring contract. But that yeah. What they took for him is nowhere near, you know, anybody's idea of what what Avery Bradley would be worth. Right. So, I, I, so that yeah. so, so that either either looks poorly on Bradley throughout the league, or that is is Phil, not Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia d- d- not wanting one of the Celtics' younger players. Like, would would they have 
been okay with Terry Rozier for New Orleans Noel straight up, and then Ainge says no on something like that, that would be – I would be clamoring for Ainge's head at this point if that was the deal that he would, he turned down. But I, I have a hard time believing that's, that's something that they would have even taken in return. So when you start talking about a guy like Bradley, Calvin, I think what they got for Noel – either it just shows that the Celtics don't have something similar to Justin Anderson or they're overvaluing their lower level roster players and they well, didn't want to send those guys off either. Cause it, but the Celtics have enough assets where I, I don't really feel that that's, that's a justifiable, justifiable argument because, but, uh, it, it, because it was a second round pick that came along with Justin Anderson, right? So if the Celtics sure. just offered that, Me- so if the Celtics just offered that Memphis pick that they have instead, uh, that's our, that's already like upping the value on. And like they don't need, they definitely don't need that pick, right? Like there's no argument. Right. So then, for, like, but, but then you're not throwing in Avery Bradley. He's not the equal no, to Justin Anderson. No, but but I'm saying maybe maybe even if the 76ers value. Uh, Justin Anderson more than they do a guy like Rozier. I I would imagine it would be hard for them to value Justin Anderson in a second more than Terry Rozier in a first. That's that's what I'm getting at. Is like the fact that they have well, that Memphis first in theory. If if Ainge was willing to give it up, like what you know what I mean? You'd still do that in a heartbeat, I'm assuming, right? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but but didn't the same thing happen with Buddy Heald going to Sacramento for Demarcus Cousins? I mean this 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 is something that the precedent was set. And I, it just, it, it, I, thought, I thought that Danny Ainge was going to be able to pull the wool over somebody else's eyes again and get a good player for something cheap. And for well, whatever I, reason, I guess, it just didn't happen. I don't know. Well, I think that's what I feel at my core. And I, I said it before the trade deadline, why it was go, wasn't going to happen. It's because I, I feel like Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge is like almost a victim of his own success because of that, that Nets trade for uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett was like one of the most successful trades in NBA history. And so far, we, I mean, actually, no, un- unqualified success, right? They, even if those draft picks all turn out to be busts, even Jalen Brown, uh, you know, doesn't end up right because then you're getting you're getting into a different level. It's 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 yeah. not what they got in return; it's how they used it. So the, yeah, I think right. what, as far as what they got in return. Uh, you can right. definitely say at this point so, that it's, yeah. it's been a great success. Yeah, and then you and then you combine that with like the Isaiah Thomas trade, who uh, Isaiah you know immediately turned into a much better player at the second that he he landed in Boston, although he was mm-hmm. good in other in other places. But the point is, and then and then you t- you you throw in the Rondo trade, which is like it didn't look that great at the time, right? But like. But Jay Crowder, who was like throwing in the deal, uh, is a better player than Rashawn Rondo. So yeah, and now he's a main, Jay Crowder's yeah. a mainstay. He's a, he's a keep guy, right? They they won't give him up because of his yeah. valued contract, which I understand in in some ways. But there's got to be a point where you're willing to part with a guy like that. Well, the, the point I'm making is, I sort of feel like Ainge now is like he's not trying to do a deal with anyone unless it's a home run deal, and. Like I, my thought before this was was that it was a mistake when he. I knew I knew he was going to sit on his hand, and my you know my pre prediction was like, my pre feeling about it was that like this is this is definitely a mistake, because I felt like the Cavaliers uh, were vulnerable. I feel that way a little less a, a week later, um, but I I think what I 
what I sort of think Celtics fans think a little bit, or they they feel in their in their cores. And again, you know, go ahead and tell me that, that you you disagree. Is that like maybe, maybe the Celtics team is is not as good as I thought they were, and, and I think maybe that's why he didn't do that deal because I because when I would <laughs> talk on I'm with you on shows, that. I, I think I think a lot of people over overvalue the, the what they see on the court. I'm with you though. I think that they're really not think, as good as as what people think they are. Yeah. They still can't rebound. Well, I heard, and, and, and I guess part of it, like I, I watched some of that Hawks game and. I just realized, like, if, if Isaiah's just not on, they're, they're done. They have, no, they have no chance to win. They have so no chance to win. This, this reminds me of uh, last year. Actually, not even last year. It was, I think it was prior to them getting knocked out uh, against the Cavs two years ago, right? Two years and I think it was in yeah. the middle of the series, or maybe it was right after the series, something like that. Either way, Danny Ainge said that these guys needed to, not, they needed to knock down more shots. They needed to become bigger shot makers and make more shots. Do you think this team makes enough shots to win playoff series right now? It doesn't look like it to me. They don't have enough guys that can knock down a big shot. And Marcus Smart has been shooting well in the clutch, but he's still not over. He's overall not a very good shooter. And Avery Bradley is just coming back into form. He's their next best shooter after Isaiah Thomas. There are, there's a long list. Let me pull up Bill Simmons. Twitter page. I mean, Crowder's shooting really well this year. Crowder is shooting really well, but I, I, he hasn't proven that he's a, a clutch, knockdown, killer shooter, you know? So th- that still remains to be seen. He could be that guy. We'll have to wait and find out. But I'm going to go to Bill Simmons' Twitter account because uh, I, rem- I, I saw it earlier. He listed off all the players that got traded, and it's not all these big guys. It There were, there were definitely guys that could have been had – uh, that can shoot and score as well. So it's it's just I don't know what Ainge was doing, and I had a feeling he was just going to sit on it. But for whatever reason, he didn't go out and and get any of these guys that were available. And it's it's like even even Bogdanovich from the Nets, you know he he went right in, in a trade. Lou Williams from from your Lakers, he got traded. He he's a knockdown shooter. I mean. There, there, PJ Tucker's not a great shooter, but he, he's a, another guy that's on this list from Bill Simmons. Uh, really, it's anybody that can shoot. You know, I just, in hindsight, it's very, it's frustrating that he didn't make a deal because if you look at the guys that went and what they went for, uh, you would think that he'd be able to make a deal. But he believes in the in the players that are on his roster for whatever reason, Calvin, and I just don't know how he can think that they're any better shooters. Than they were two years ago because, or not, I shouldn't say not better because they are better, but not they're still not good enough to win playoff series deep into the playoffs. So I don't I don't know what why he didn't make a move for somebody. But really, what I'm saying is maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's the opposite of that. Maybe he doesn't believe in this roster, and that's why this, this whole argument that I've been making that like Danny Ainge owes it to Isaiah the, the year that he's having that this team is close. Maybe Ainge doesn't believe any of that at all, and I. I, I guess I didn't realize a couple of things that I, I had heard about this team in the last week. Do you know the Celtics are are three and nine against the other the other top four seeds in the East? Like it's pretty bad. That's kind of that's yeah. That's real. That's really not good. I guess they yeah they haven't really they haven't done well against any of those teams. 
they don't really match up well against the the Raptors or Wizards, especially when you know, uh, like both of them have their 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 backcourts playing because Isaiah can't guard Lowry or DeRozan, and he can't guard Beal or Wall. So it, I don't, I'm not sure that the sell. And, and then I, I didn't realize that they haven't won a playoff series yet. I guess yeah. <laughs> they've they've only they, won yeah, two I, playoff games under Brad Stevens. Yeah. I guess I felt like, like in retrospect, after remembering those things and seeing that about the, the three and nine, like maybe if maybe I am overrating the Celtics. This is what I'm saying. Maybe I, maybe I think I, it's like maybe yeah, maybe Danny Ainge like not wanting to pull the trigger on this team just has to the fact that he yeah he thought even and yeah some Celtics fans are already saying this like even with no matter who they got maybe he thought this team wasn't good enough. And therefore, maybe you you do well, stay on the team and see if you can get you well, know, so here, that's, that's or somebody the problem. Though. I think so. He, he had enough assets that he probably could have found a way to get a couple of impact players uh, if if it, he had found the big the big player, right? If he gets a Paul George right. or Jimmy Butler, or he had landed Demarcus Cousins, he probably could have pulled another deal to to get another player that pushes him to, closer to the Cavs. But even then. You have to work. You have to figure out chemistry. You have to try and do all these these things on the fly. You got two months to do it. Not even two months, and and then you're right. going to be in the thick of it in the playoffs. Maybe he didn't. Maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't want to go through that. And maybe he thinks he's got a better chance at landing a big fish uh, around draft time or sometime over the summer through free agency. But I I think that you're not the only one that was that's overvalued or overrating this team. They got they got punked last night by the Atlanta Hawks, the team that beat them in the playoffs last year. Not much is, has seemed to change. They got out rebounded, and here we go. Bold prediction: they're going to get spanked by the Cavs tomorrow night as well. You'll watch on on uh, national TV tomorrow night, folks. Cleveland's going to come into Boston, and maybe Isaiah scores forty, but the Cavs are probably going to win this game because. The Celtics just don't rebound, and they they are relying on one guy, basically, to do all their scoring. So until Bradley works his way back into the rotation a little bit more, I don't expect the Celtics to win many big games, and tomorrow night's one of the biggest that they've had in, in a while. Yeah, it's huge, especially. Yeah, if, I mean, if you look at it now, they're, they're five games back with, like, 22 to play or something, so it's it, I think the one, the one seed with the, the the couple of losses they've had in this last week and oh, you know, Cleveland sort of yeah that that I think I think that might be uh, out of reach a little bit but but now you have you know the Wizards with one they're one loss back the Raptors are two losses back you got to look from you got to look behind you now if you're the Celtics so I, I if they, especially if they lose to the Cavaliers and they're gonna you know be tied in the loss column with the Wizards I don't think you want to. Uh, you know, not have home court advantage in that second round. Oh boy. That's the biggest thing. And honestly, I, the more I, I see this team play and not rebound the ball and rely on mediocre shooters to, to knock down shots aside from Isaiah. And look, I, I'm not, I don't want to take away anything from Al Horford because people are, there's this big contingent out there now that is coming to the defense of Al Horford because people have been ripping him uh, for not being aggressive on offense and, and other various things. I, I fully believe in what Al Horford brings to the table. I want him to stick around because he does the 
the intangible things that a lot of guys in this league don't care about. So he does them. He does them extremely well. He is lacking on offense, especially recently. He's, he's not doing what people expected of him as far as scoring is concerned. So from a fan's perspective, he's, he, he's underperforming as far as that is concerned. So that's why people are clamoring that there's been a, this, all these complaints about Horford. And then there's this contingent of people that are defending him. I don't think that you can knock this guy, but they need somebody to score and it's not him. You just, it's just not going to be a guy like that. So aside from Thomas, I just don't see these guys winning a playoff series against Toronto or Washington uh, on the road for sure. And even at home, I, I think they're going to have a hard time beating those two teams. Uh, and Atlanta showed, showed them a lot of trouble last night. So Atlanta scares me now too, Calvin, which means that the Celtics need to have a two seed in order to win a playoff series, because I think they would be okay for whatever reason they have Detroit's number, it seems. And I think that they'd be okay against the likes of Indiana and Chicago, but who knows? Maybe maybe Paul George is too much for the Celtics as well. Maybe Jimmy Butler's too much for the Celtics uh, it's because they don't have anybody that that can defend and rebound at the same time. I don't know. I'm starting to worry a little bit about them even winning a round. Yeah, it'll be – that's the thing is, is we'll see. It's funny because they're likely to play Indiana or Chicago, right? So we're, we're going to see, you know, in live action – the kind of impact that a superstar has in, in neither one of those guys on the team that they're on now have anywhere near the supporting cast they'd have on the Celtics. So if, if obviously, like, the Celtics are going to be favored in either one of those series, but if either of those two guys comes out in this upcoming playoff series and and they play well and they carry their team and, and it becomes a six-game series, you know, hypothetically, if that happens, Rory, then it, it's going to be pretty proof positive that, like, yeah, you probably should have gotten Paul George or or Jimmy Butler because if they can do that, you know what I mean? They're the guys who can right. do it, and they've, and they've and, done it in the playoffs. And yeah, and guess what? Toronto and Washington have already set themselves up with a couple of guys that can do that. And sure, they're not night in, night out, 20 to 30-point guys like Isaiah has been over the, the last couple of months. But when you go from a guy that's scoring 30 – and then have your next best scorer consistently be a guy that's scoring, what, 16 to 17? That's not a playoff winning team. That's a team with a great player and a bunch of other guys that are scoring a few points. I'm not saying that you need you need. I'm not saying that you need a. a big three anymore, you know, because I, I think that you right. can win without it. I, I always have. You're not going to win if you're if you're going from 30 to 15 or 16. You need a guy that's going to be more consistently 18, 19, 20 points a game. Uh, and Washington has it in their two guards. Toronto has it in their two guards. The Celtics are hoping that Avery Bradley turns into that guy, uh, but he's he's not quite there yet. So that's why I I just thought that getting anybody in here that can score the basketball would have would have benefited the team at the trade deadline. And for whatever reason, Mr. Ainge decided no. He's just going to ride it out. So anyway, that's enough speculation on why Ainge yeah. didn't do anything. Um, let's move on to your team, though, because we've mentioned Paul George a little bit. 
Maybe it, actually this ties into the speculation on why Danny Ainge didn't do anything. Maybe he knows about the love affair between Paul George and the Lakers. What do you know yeah, about you it? Know who did, yeah, you know who didn't know about it? Uh, <laughs> it's me. I had no idea. No idea. That I, knew, I knew Paul George was from Palmdale, which in, in case any of you guys are wondering, is a horrible place. And it's not actually <laughs> in L.A. It's like on the other side of a chain of mountains. It's basically, it, it exists by itself in the desert. And you have to go around the mountain to Steve and get there. So not not actually L.A., but I understand why you grew up a Lakers fan because everyone there is. But the point is, yeah, had no idea Paul George had any interest in the Lakers. I, I don't know that I believe 100% this narrative that's being put out there. I, I think some of it is, is relating to Paul George's agent uh, not wanting him to get traded to, to another team to protect his uh, potential ability to get to the Supermax, although he still can't get it right now because he's not going to make the All-NBA team. Um, there are six forwards who are, have had better years than him, and it's very unlikely that he gets it. But, so. Well, you never know. That's that could, that could come down to politics, and we all we all know yeah. how that goes sometimes. Anyway, go. Let's, let's, yeah, but let's let's uh, let's 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 start on the other side first, because it, and, and work work our way back to Paul George, because I, I think there's a, there's another reason why uh, this is coming up now. At a, like I said, out of nowhere. But but there, Sam Emick of Sports Illustrated says that Paul George is hell bent on coming to the Lakers, which I, I don't know. I just find it pretty hilarious considering their roster right now, but. So, uh, the Lakers were involved in the DeMarcus Cousins trade uh, rumors. Uh, they, the Kings wanted Brandon Ingram, and the Lakers said no, and the Kings said, okay, we'll Rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so. I agree with, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm not convinced that, that – I, I like a lot of things about Brandon Ingram, but I'm, I'm not convinced that he's going to develop the, the amount of strength that he needs to be effective in the NBA, but if he does – I, I his, his talent is not in question to me, but yeah, um, and you have to give him a chance because where you're standing right now, as as far as the Lakers are concerned, Demarcus Cousins doesn't put you over yeah. the top. You just turn into the Kings. You, he's just moving yeah. a little bit further down in California, right? And, and he, yeah, he wouldn't be happy in LA anyway. So no. like, why? I don't understand why you. I mean, he might be happy in LA, but he's not going to be like he's he's still going to be miserable playing with a bunch of young kids like in another situation. Anyway. Not not trying to make this a Marcus thing. It's a Magic Johnson thing. So apparently, uh, Jeannie Buss was furious that uh, that Kupchak and Jim Buss could not make the Marcus Cousins trade, and and that was the pretense by which they were fired, both of them. Oh, what? Along with really, yeah. I haven't see. I haven't heard this. That's that's so interesting. Oh, I hope that's true. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Jeannie Buss fired. Her. Oh, you didn't. Oh, oh, you didn't hear that. That was that was the pretense. Yeah, fired both of them along with like. Uh, multiple Laker executives, including longtime PR uh, guy John Black, who's been the PR guy for the Lakers for like 25 years. I don't know how his head ended up in the chopping block in this scenario, but basically because that guy is like one of the best PR dudes and he has no impact on like the, the day-to-day operations. So definitely right off the top, I feel horrible That's for him. so crazy. Like I said, super pro. But anyway, so, so Magic gets hired as a consultant you know, a few weeks ago before this started. And, and Magic came out and said, you know, yeah, I want to be the guy who runs a team. But he sort of like, sort of halfway played it. Like, I'm not looking to fire anybody, but yes, I, I would like, you know, more of a role at some point. And then it was just like, 
at, at that moment, the writing was on the wall that, yeah, like Magic really wants to take these dudes' jobs. They're, they're probably on the hot seat, or at least Jim Buss. And then, yeah, Jeannie doesn't like the trade, and it's like the actual just falls on everybody's head right before the trade deadline, which it, that's already insane to me. You know what I mean? Like, why do you, why do you fire your GM? Like, it's like, in what world is Magic going to be qualified to like come in and make trades immediately coming in, like, right, or, or anybody coming into to that situation immediately? And, like, so yeah, in out. that in that situation, I I have to wonder who pulled the trigger on Lou Williams. Was it Magic or was it something that they had been working on? Uh, with Mitch Kupchak, and they just said, "Yeah, go ahead, do it." Everybody has been doing talking about it. Go ahead. I mean, it, it was probably Matt. The thing about the Lou Williams trade is that, like, Lou Williams practically traded himself because because he was having a, a phenomenal year. He's on a cheap contract. Uh, there was speculation that he was going to go to the Wizards before their first round draft pick. Like the Lakers were were just going to trade him for a first round pick, which. So I don't end up liking that trade that much because they ended up the Lakers ended up taking Corey Brewer back, who is basically on the same contract as Lou Williams, but he has an extra. He, one, he's not nearly as good as Lou Williams, especially this year, and two, he, his contract goes for the same amount that Lou Williams does. So I feel like the Lakers could have got the same, you know, late first round draft pick from another team, say Washington, and and taken a guy back who was going to be a free agent. You know, in other words, like Lou Williams yeah. was super valuable to extend. So I already feel like that wasn't. It's was not not that it was a bad trade, but it's not as good of a trade as like they could have easily made in, in terms of taking a contract back on. But in, in yeah, case, you know what? How about this, Calvin? Would you have liked uh, Lou Williams for Amir Johnson's contract, twelve million dollars up up this year? I would have taken that in a second. Are you kidding? I would have loved for Danny Ainge to go get Lou Williams and ship off one of those late round picks. Maybe the Celtics pick next year or something like that, and uh, and and uh, Amir Johnson. Probably that Memphis that would have been ideal. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, that's probably going to be like, like yeah, the twenties or something, right? Yeah, sure, about, the Memphis yeah, pick. About sure, about yes. Yeah, yeah, that would have been. I feel great about that because one, that would have been a better pick than the Rockets' pick is going to be, not by a lot, but by you know a couple of spots. And and secondly, I don't know if if. Because uh, Lou Williams makes less than Amir, I don't know if that sure. would work cap-wise. But maybe somebody hypothetically, you know, somebody else. yeah. So well, like no, I was going to say I was going to say Tyler Zeller, but he's under contract for another year, so I think that that is the same situation. I thought he, I thought he was expiring as well. I'll double check that right now, but I I think that he is here next year. Um, All right, maybe he has an option. I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. I just I know he he's an eight million dollar guy. What what does Williams make? Six? No, it's like seven five. So that's fine. Um, Zeller Zeller has yeah he's he's signed through seventeen eighteen. Oh, that's this. Wait, what? No, that no, no, it's, but it's um it's non guaranteed. Why is it non guaranteed? I don't know. Oh, look at that. Look at that. It's a team option. Fully guaranteed if not waived on before. Team yeah. option. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So they could – yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. Exactly. That that would have worked. So how about Zeller? Even yeah. even better. That would have worked for you. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. There we go. We, see, you and I should be GMs. Anyway. <laughs> so, Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Let's get, let's get back to Magic here. The, the point is, okay, like the way it was done – I'm not 
I'm not super happy about. But I'm not I'm not as upset as you would think that I would be. I mean, based on like if you know me, if uh, I'm also not being like a myopic Laker fan, like oh Magic, you know he's Magic Johnson, he's a, he's a hero, blah blah blah. I know that Magic Johnson is not the uh, the most creative thinker, you know, when it comes to basketball knowledge. I think if you just I, I, it's not unfair to say if you look at his his Twitter timeline and when he talks about you know guys who are in the running for MVP and he lists like 24 people, or if you've ever seen him, you know, on on those ESPN uh, studio shows where he's just basically got nothing at all to offer, right? Do you agree with me on these things? Like, Magic definitely doesn't come across as, like, the most insightful, like, player personnel type that you'd want on your team, right? Um, Magic, to me, I wish he would go back on ESPN because – of all the different uh, sound bites that he would would make, just babbling on. But other, otherwise, no. I have. There's no. I don't see any value in Magic Johnson. Yeah, but here's the thing. That, but uh, here's here's why I, I I don't agree with that sentence, and the reason why is because Magic Johnson's not. He's not going to be the GM of the Lakers. Like Magic Johnson hired Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka is going to be the GM of the Lakers. Magic admitted that he doesn't know that much about the cap and that sort of thing. So Rob, Rob Palenka is going to be the Mitch Kupchak. How do I feel about Rob Palenka? I have no idea. You know what I mean? Hmm. I, I don't think that, that it's necessarily a problem if an agent – I feel like agents, one, know what players want, right? And they, know, and, and they probably like know how to have conversations with them. And because he's an agent and he already has been – it's not like he was an agent 10 years ago. He was an agent 20 minutes ago until he quit his job to become GM of the Lakers. So he's got established relationships with a bunch of players already, you know, all over the NBA right now. So on that, on, on the idea of him being an agent, that's fine. I just, I have he's a wild card to me because I have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't know how he is as like a communicator or, or an evaluator of talent. All of that will be, well, I'll find that out over time. But my point is, in, in theory, I don't have a problem with hiring him. And, and I don't really have a problem with Magic either because if, if Rob Palenka is going to be doing the, you know, the technical work of like figuring out uh, you know, whether or not deals are good or trying to figure out the money, Magic, the, the reason I don't mind that Magic Johnson is, is now the president of the Lakers is because at the moment he became president of the Lakers, Paul George came out and said he was hell-bent on coming here. That's how it comes all back around to Paul George. The thing that's good about Magic is that he's like, he's charismatic. He's a guy who's going to make people want to come play for him as a uh-huh. figure. You know, okay. See what I'm saying? As a figure. So are you saying that, are you saying that uh, Indiana should put Reggie Miller in the uh, front office so that Paul George stays? Is I mean, he not charismatic enough? No, no offense to Reggie Miller, but I, do, you, do you think he's? Oh. I, I feel like he's not Magic Johnson when it comes to. No, you. please, uh, please offend yeah. Reggie Miller. Do do everything you can to offend Reggie Miller. Please do. I would I yeah. would be happy to hear it. And I and you know Larry Larry Bird is the legend or whatever. I know, I know you guys are you know Celtics fans, but Larry Bird is also not uh, 
not defined by what I would call his his great personal charisma. We can agree. No, he is a grump. Oh my goodness, he is he's a total grump. Larry Bird, one of the greatest basketball players ever, and a miserable human being. He just no, I don't want to I don't want to go that far. Come on, people are going to come after me. Um, No, but he's 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 grumpy, and I mean, some people are, are more grumpy than others, myself included, sometimes. So that's that's fine. But this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. Magic is like he's like a like the ceremonial mayor of like a, of a town. You know what I mean? He's there for like the ribbon cutting ceremonies and the like the oh free agents. You want to come to Los Angeles? No, I like, got you. He always hey, has been. Yeah, he, that's in the documentaries that they have. Bird against Magic. That's always been. Larry was the quiet, humble guy. And Magic was outspoken, had the huge smile, always the glitz and glamour. He loved the Hollywood lights and all that, and that's just that's just the way it's always been. Yeah, and in that function, again, assume, assuming that Palinka's functional, and if he's not, then uh, I'll I'll be critical of him for that. And assuming that Magic doesn't sort of get in the way of of the basketball, you know, more analytical types. Yeah, I just feel like he has a function. And he has he has a value with the Lakers in a way, and maybe it's just because again I'm I'm going from Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak, who much like I said about Larry Bird, are guys with no charisma, and there are stories now about how there, there, some of these free agents like wanted to come to the Lakers when they met with those guys. It's like I don't know if you've ever heard Mitch Kupchak talk, but he's just got this monotone sort of like high pitched voice where he's just got no no feeling. But like they couldn't, they couldn't sell anybody on on coming to the Lakers, and that's what Magic can do. He can sell people on things. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I think Magic will sell some people on on things, and having him involved is a, is a good thing. Um, I mean, I don't know. You know better than I did, but or than I do. But do you think that he put the Dodgers in a better position than they than they they were in prior? Because I don't know. Well, I, I feel like he. He he made a crazy deal, but he overall the organization seems to be doing all right. Well, the Dodgers are, are sort of a perfect example of what I'm talking about because uh, Magic Johnson's ownership stake in the Dodgers is is pretty small. But what he did was right. he led a team of investors to come in and in buy the Dodgers, and he was the face of the team, even though he. Uh, what did he? What did he? Whose name did he miss? Oh yeah, Vince Kelly. Yeah, he he referred to Vince Scully as Vince Scully in his oh in one of his introductory in introductory press conferences. It wasn't my favorite thing, but but outside of that, like in terms of uh, promotional value, I I think that he's been good for the Dodgers. I don't they don't uh, he doesn't actually have a hand in any business decisions. So, but they hired the right guys, and he might have had a a, a hand in that. Um, that I don't have any idea about. But I would imagine he probably doesn't because of, of the level of minority owner that he is. But I, I still feel like just as a as the public face of the Dodgers, he's done well. Anyway, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, Paul George. So I don't think that the uh, – what would you do, Rory, if the Lakers got the number one pick? I'm curious right now. Or, or the number two pick. Would you trade – or even the number three pick? Would you trade any of those for Paul George? Because I feel like this day is, is coming where the Lakers are going to have to make that decision. Or would you just ride out next season hoping that Paul George comes to the Lakers as, as a free agent in 2018? 
If I'm the Lakers, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, you got to hold yeah. that pick, right? You, you have to. You have to assume that what you hear is true, and take a player that you think is going to complement Paul George, and then go sign him, and and just push real hard, get Magic involved, do everything you have to do. Get him to leave Indiana. Get him to sign with the Lakers. That's if you're all in. If you're going to go all in as the Lakers and you're going to take a chance, you keep that pick. You take the player you think complements Paul George the best, and then you go sign Paul George and you you change the NBA landscape. How about that? Because, well, the risk, right? It's a, the risk is that Indiana realizing they can't sign Paul George and the Lakers think that they're going to get Paul George as a free agent end up trading Paul George to another team that, like, yeah, maybe now he says, I'm hell-bent on coming to the Lakers, but what if Danny Ainge trades for Paul George and then they have a good season and then, you know what I mean? And then it's like he's never going to be on the board at all. Sure. I, I, that's I feel like that's it's the risk. Bit, yeah. that's, that, that it, you're right. That's the risk. But if if the Lakers think that they can convince a player, then I would say go for it. I would say Take the pick and and use it, and then go try and sign him later. Even if he gets traded to somebody else, because if if that if the value of Magic Johnson is what you're saying it is, then they should be able to do something like that, because he's not going to want to sign with the Celtics anyway. As as an example, right? Yeah, and for me, I just I think that you can't. If you're the Lakers, especially, and like none of your none of your kids are are quite ready yet. I think that you can't give up on on the young guy in order to get the Paul George because, like, Paul George on the Lakers next year sort of makes them, like, maybe a little better than Indiana. You know what I mean? And you're in yeah, that, and, like... And, in, and the, the other West, thing is, is... So that's the other thing, is the, is the worst-case scenario is that uh, the Lakers just continue to focus on their young guys and they develop those guys that they already have and a new young player, right? You're, you're keeping your draft pick in that scenario. So I think, I think that yeah. that's the, it's not as, as much of a risk as you might think. I mean, I mean the, but the, the actual, the risk comes into play with, you know, what I've been talking about in terms of the Celtics fans not wanting to give up that number three pick for, for Paul George or Jimmy Butler, which is that like, you know, what if the Lakers draft Lonzo Ball and Lonzo Ball, you you know, one tenth as good as Paul George, which like is statistically more probable than the other way around, right? Than him being better than Paul George. I mean, it's likely it's likely that nobody in this draft is better than Paul George. We don't have like the the automatic LeBron. I know Fultz is like the consensus one, but like, but right. like Fultz is Fultz is not Anthony Davis, guys. I'm telling, I'm just throw, just letting you guys know off top. I'm calling <laughs> my shot right now. Yeah. No, I don't He's think not he is. Surefire, I... yeah. He might be good. He might even be great, but it's going to take some time, and he's not like he's not an automatic. That's the part that I'm making. Anyway, okay. What's next? Oh yeah, seventy sixes, right? Yes, might as well. Yeah, might as well go. Um, hold on. No. Oh yeah, you wanted to talk about the Sixers because we were going to talk about deadline deals. We already did. Um, I was oh, yeah. going to jump to the Mark Cuban thing, but we'll save that for a minute from now. 
the Sixers, because oh, yeah. I have I have a couple thoughts on them too, is that they just announced that Joel Embiid is going to be out indefinitely with another knee injury. These guys that they're drafting keep getting hurt. And this is the other side of the coin here to show you a team that's been tanking and dra- drafting at the top of the draft and still not doing anything as far as making a playoff push is concerned. Philadelphia still stinks. They still have – some talented players that aren't hitting the floor and they're just re-upping here. They're trying to get draft picks for it for Noel. They do this thing that the trade that we talked about earlier, even though not, they didn't get a, a high draft pick in return. Um, but they are, are still toiling at the bottom Calvin. And three years ago, the debate was whether Danny Ainge should have done what he did, not three years ago, whatever, four four years ago, whatever it was. The, the debate was whether he should have done what he did and made those trades to, to weather the storm and or tank. And he chose to weather the storm, and I think it's worked out a lot better because the Sixers are not – they don't look good right now. And say what you will, I don't know, maybe, you, maybe you're one of the – you're the type of person that thinks that in a couple of years they're still going to be excellent with all the talent they have. I, I can't I can't buy it when these guys keep getting injured like this. I don't know. How do you feel? Right. There's been this sort of revisionist history movement that I've sort of sensed. And let me know if you haven't sensed this, but uh, that like Sam Hinkie in retrospect it was like the genius that he made himself out to be, and that like the, that the process is working, and that like, he should have never been fired. Uh, the 76ers plan, you know. What's happening with the 76ers is going exactly according to plan and just trust the process. And now, you know, Joel Embiid's calling himself the process, which is you know, an awesome nickname. I'm not uh, crapping on Joel Embiid or the process. But, yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, he's out indefinitely uh, with a couple of injuries, right? It's, just, it's not just a knee. It's something else. Uh, I think it was like bone spurs or something. It was announced that Ben Simmons is, is not going – not going to play this year, right, with yep. that foot injury. Um, same thing happened with Embiid. He didn't play his first two seasons. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. In, in, in order for – the 76 have been terrible for the last, what, th- three years since they started doing this, since Inky, or, or four years, basically. One of the yeah. worst teams in NBA history. They've had to sit through loss after loss after loss. Okay. Yep, it's been painful. Not every, I, I yeah. feel bad for those fans. Yeah. Now, he, now Hinky made some great trades, moving Michael Carter Williams for uh, for a first round pick. It's like the, his, in his second year in the NBA was it was a genius move, okay? But in, in like some of the other trades, like he, they're, they're going to end up with this Kings draft pick. Uh, if the Lakers end up with a fourth pick or lower, they they uh, took the draft picks that the Lakers gave Phoenix, uh, and, and somehow the 76ers got it in another deal. I think. Uh, what was it, Brandon Knight, or it was another? Yeah. It was another good deal. Anyway, they like Sam Hinkie has done a really good job in these secondary deals of getting uh, draft picks. When he so so he's been really good at sort of like predicting the value of draft picks and sort of finding a way to squeeze them out of situations where like teams looked like they were going to be pretty good and then fell to earth. Phoenix was pretty good at the time they made a deal. Like the Lakers have been good. The Kings were never good. They just like the Kings just wanted to clear cap space, and the 76ers just happened to be there with cap space, and it worked out well for them. And they've like so. I'm not 
I'm not here to say that Hinky like did a terrible job, but but what what I am here to say is that like the the crux of what Hinky's the the, the philosophy of Hinky, what that everyone is it seems to be behind, like that tanking is is the way to go. But look, you you only justified in in your whole tanking argument if the if the 76ers uh, become at, at least an NBA Finals contender within the next couple of years, right? There's no, there's, you can't right. say it was worth it for us to be terrible for four years to then become the sixth seed in the East for three years. You know what I mean? Then, then in the end, it all <laughs> yes. wasn't worth it. And they're not even that right now. They're still, they're still terrible. So it's, it still hasn't worked. And it, especially if you, if you stretch it out over a period of time. Look, no matter, there, there's no team in the NBA, no matter how, like what your strategy is for, for, continuing to be terrible, you know, with stowing guys like Sarge overseas and, and drafting a, a guy like Embiid who's going to miss a year, drafting another guy in Noel who's going to miss a year in order to stay bad and, and like, get them longer, or just be like the Timberwolves and not really have a strategy at all, but continue to just be bad because you haven't drafted good players and, you know, get young players over time. Like, the, the Timberwolves, in my mind, have a brighter future than the 76ers, does that mean that uh, that Timberwolves are a smarter franchise than the 76ers? No, it just means that like they were they've been down in the dumps for a longer period of time and happened to have accrued more assets. Like that doesn't mean that, that that their their quote strategy is like more effective than other teams' strategy. So like this has to pay off quickly to to evaluate Sam Hinkie as as, as or not even Sam Hinkie because like I said he's he's a relatively good GM. But to evaluate this tanking process as a valuable process. Sorry, I'm monopolizing here. Go ahead, Jim. No, I I think you're absolutely right. You, it, it's it's got to come soon, and that's part of the reason that Danny Ainge is, has a job right now and is so secure in that job is the fact that he has exceeded expectations in not only the the first trade that he made to win a championship. Nobody expected that, right? But the the subsequent moves that he's made and, and the way that he's built the roster uh, and the, the coach that he signed, uh, all of these things have, have gone into what Danny Ainge has done to build his resume as a good GM to deserve to continue to keep his job and have job security, right? So the fact that the Celtics are doing well now just shows that the way that he's gone about it has worked for, for them and even though, and in the same period of time, Philadelphia has gone about their business, and it's not working for them. So that's where you need to if, sort of draw the comparison: is that Philadelphia clearly something something's not going right down there because they still are terrible, as you said. And here's here's the other thing, Rory, that doesn't get factored into this. Like, uh, he is a genius narrative. Yeah, Joel Joel Embiid, who's probably you know. He's missed ha- around half the games this season, right? Probably will end up missing it, uh, at least half the games this season if you would if you'd speculate. I haven't looked at the, the numbers, but yep. he uh, did not play the first his first two years in the NBA. So I don't know. I don't know if you know this. Next year is the end of Joel Embiid's rookie contract. <laughs> so, so yeah, this, this idea of wow. like yeah, taking taking injured guys, you're already going to have to pay Joel Embiid after next year. The, the 76ers, crazy. yeah, the, the 76ers got rid of Noel for nothing 
because <laughs> Noel's going to be a free agent after this year. And they knew that he wasn't going to resign in Philadelphia because, one, they've been terrible, and why would you want to stay in Philadelphia, right? It, especially because Noel hadn't made, definitely didn't make any All-NBA teams. And secondly, Noel was dealing with having to play. That's why Noel ultimately Noel got moved and not Okafor, because Okafor has another year on his deal. But, yeah, Noel got moved because they have Okafor and couldn't trade him, they, even though they, they tried pretty hard to trade him. They have, they have Okafor, they have Ben Simmons, you know, who hasn't played, and they have Embiid. Noel saw the writing on the wall. Of course he was going to leave. They had to get what they could get for him. But, yeah, so you could, so people want to say Colangelo made a bad deal, but Sam Hinkie was going to be in the same situation. He probably would have got a, a, a better draft pick, in, in, you know what I mean, for, for Noel. But make no mistake, Noel was going to be a wasted asset. And this is this is object lesson for Celtics fans, too. Like, just because you have assets, don't stay assets forever. There's a clock on these things. There's a clock on Noel. There's a clock on Joel Embiid. Like you go, look, Joel Embiid. Like I said, missed his first two years. Gonna miss at, at least half this year. We'll see how healthy he is next year. But let's say he is healthy next year. You're still going to have to decide. Uh, you know what kind of what kind of max are you going to give Joel Embiid coming off of one healthy season out of four in the NBA? That's going to be an interesting question. And it, it would have been an interesting question for Hinky. So, I, yeah, I'm just not a believer in this tanking thing and this this whole process thing. They're a, they're a ways away, and they're also you know losing value on their assets. Well, there's a time there's a time clock on Danny Ainge's assets too, because uh, the <clears throat> the time will come where he has to pull the trigger on a team wanting a draft pick, and that time is in a couple months. So. Uh, I, I have to tie everything back to the Celtics. You know that. Uh, I just I hope that uh, Ainge pulls the trigger. Long story short, and continues to prove that his way is is the right way, and uh, that the the Seventy Sixers way is is not the right way. I hope that Ainge finds a way to to trade this thing for a, a solid established NBA player. But if not, hopefully he'll draft a player that they can develop as well. Because Celtics are also developing players while they're trying to win games. So you can have it both ways, Sixers fans. Don't forget it. Anyway. Really quick, Rory. Do you, yep. do you like, uh, do you like Todd, Todd Gibson to the uh, Thunder? How do you feel about that? Uh, I think it improves their team. I like him as a player in general. I, I thought he would have helped, been able to help the Celtics as well as far as rebounding is concerned uh, and a defensive big man. But he's still a little bit undersized. So if if – you're looking for excuses as to why you don't go get a guy like that. That's probably your reason. I mean, I don't, I don't love Cameron Payne, so I'm like, that that trade is like a super win for me. Uh, uh, and that's another another guy the Celtics probably could have gotten pretty easily, right? Especially like, I I don't really love McDermott, but he is think. relatively. What's that? You would think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. McDermott and Taj for basically campaign and, and, and trash. Like, that's a great deal for the Thunder. So, yeah, if, if you want to tie it back to the Celtics, they definitely could have, like, at least split those pieces up and, like, like why wouldn't, you know, they're going to take campaign. Like, they probably they, they probably can have that same conversation about Rozier, right? Yep. I, you would hope so. That's what people were saying about a lot of the deals that were going around, that maybe Rozier was the type of guy that they could they – could, package away and uh, I don't know maybe Ainge didn't want to get rid of Rozier and and he's the guy that we they, people maybe that that 
false report that I thought, or that report that I thought was false was really the true one. You know, could be the that Rogier was the guy that Ainge was saying no to. In which case, oh, he, I think he needs to reevaluate. But either way, either way. All right, we're good on. on we had a hearty, healthy trade talk. Sorry for going so long on the Sixers, but I felt like it, it was warranted in this case. Um, but we do have another NBA story, Ray. Yep. So, yeah. So Mark Cuban, I don't know if you saw this or not, uh, had a sort of Twitter war with Bleacher Report. Not really a war, but... Um, I did see this. Yeah. So I, I, I guess Bleacher, Bleacher Report sort of tweeted this, like I said, completely innocuous, innocuous, innocuous tweet uh, about Dirk Nowitzki, who he... he a, it was a video of him airballing a shot in... On the bottom of the the caption said Dirk forever. Mm-hmm. Mark Cuban uh, lost it. Yeah, he lost his mind. I'm uh, trying to get the uh, his actual reaction, but he he tweeted like the the head of Bleacher Report. Uh, he said that he, he it was the caption that he had a problem with. Uh, he said if you know if the Bleacher Report had just tweeted like close the door or like oh we've all been there before then it would have been fine. But somehow, like, him saying Dirk forever. But he said, he said are, you, are you effing kidding me? You treat Dirk forever and Trump throwing up an air ball? Like, he said, I, I expect an apology immediately. But you mm-hmm. can expect me to take a very strong stand in support of one of the greatest players of all time. Who the F thinks that this is remotely acceptable? And why are they working for you, David? I mean... Yeah, this is what he treated so that David is the guy who runs Bleacher Report. So David right. like immediately was like, was like, uh, you know, I love Shark Tank. Uh, I'll I'll talk to the social team and find out what happened. And he's like, you know, we're just trying to reach millennials and be funny. And your human comes back and he says, that wasn't a blooper. This isn't a discuss with your team issue, David. This is an issue where if it's not down immediately. I'll communicate with the millennials in the way I know how to. Your choice. That's, this is this is Mark Cuban just being the big money having baby that he is. He's he's a he's a big child when it comes down to it. I think, uh, and he just has to get his way. So he he whines and cries until he, he gets it. Yeah, it, it's cool. I like Mark Cuban. On on the one on the one hand, like. There's there's a part of me that just like enjoys a good power play, even you know what I mean. Like, or it's just like it, it, it's a fantasy element of like wanting to be the person who does whatever oh, sure. they want. Oh, sure, I think right? it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, but but you just want to be the person who could like tell someone tell someone to shut up or like or get to get a corporation like Bleacher Report to like back down off its own tweet. But then you but you but then I also look at it and I'm like you you're emasculating the head of a company in like trying to like there's probably a 24 year old guy running that that Twitter account and you're you know what I mean you're trying to bury them for like a, a joke that doesn't mean anything because you're you're offended by what by the, the words Dirk, for, Dirk forever if, you know what I mean it, it's not like he if, if the caption said Dirk the douche then I can almost even understand why he'd be so enraged but it's just like it's such a level of like lack of sensitivity, especially when uh, we're talking about Dirk, who's like, uh, uh, who has more uh, 
of a sense of humor in terms of like making fun of themselves than Dirk Nowitzki. I, I promise you, Dirk doesn't care. I hope somebody. I, I need some sort of reaction <laughs> from Dirk. I guarantee you, he doesn't care. No, and I'm sure he doesn't like, care. It's it's just so demeaning for like a rich guy to just use his bully pulpit, and then he like copied Adam Silver, like it, it, implicitly threatening to uh, like you know get Bleacher Report out of NBA situations if they right. don't rectify the situation. Like, why? I, I almost wish that the Bleacher Report guy had stood up to him because then I think the backlash would have been more interesting once Mark Cuban did something like that. Like, if he's like, oh, okay, well, Bleach Report is banned from Mavericks games, I, th- I think the media would band together in that situation, much like they did when he didn't allow those two reporters to, to keep following the Mavs. I think, like, like Cuban is quickly turning into, like, uh, a smaller Donald Trump type, where he's just, like, trying to wield his power in all sorts of crazy ways. It's probably not the best look for him. Yeah, it definitely doesn't look good, if, if you ask me. I, I don't think that Mark Cuban is really reacting in the right way that here. He should, he should have just said, hey, buddy, listen, take that down. And, I mean, I don't know. He, reaching out to the millennials in the best way that he could is something that, uh, I don't know. He just, you're, 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 he's, like you said, he's just throwing his power around. He's, he's just doing what he can to... Just say, hey, I'm the big guy on campus. I call the shots, and I don't know. I, I like Mark Cuban. I like what he's done for the Mavericks. I like his show, you know. But it's uh, it, he's he's getting to the point where kind of needs to back off a little bit and just sort of take a step back and think about it before he's going to react to something. That, that tweet wasn't a really a, that big of a deal, you know. And maybe he took offense to it, but he's he's really nitpicking, if you ask me. But the, the best thing out of this, uh, that came out of the story, as far as I'm concerned, out of out of anything, was just uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet that Bleacher Report sent out later. Just a cowering, sniveling tweet. Well, they said earlier today we deleted a tweet about Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk is an NBA legend in our eyes and will be forever. Like that's just some great cow talent right there. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It depends on which way you look at it. I don't. I don't know. Maybe Cuban is pissed about that too, but he can't say anything because they are. It's a veiled uh, sarcasm or something. But um, yeah, who knows? I, I feel like they're they're poking fun still. I hope so because I I didn't I didn't get that from that at all. All right, what do we got next, Ray? Um. Oh, the article that you read about the NCAA player who was being treated by a doctor with steroids unbeknownst to himself. Oh, yeah. So I watched the uh, UCLA-Arizona game. That's a nice way to summarize that. And uh, Arizona guard Alonzo Trier, apparently he had missed most of the season and nobody knew why. the people would ask Arizona coach Sean Miller, and he said he wasn't allowed to talk about it. And if, apparently, uh, nobody at the NCAA would talk about it. And apparently, the, the reason why like it was a story that didn't leak is because, uh, like, it had to do with like Trier's medical rights. Like, he he has the right to like not have his medical information divulged. And it, it turned out that he, you know, before the season started, he's a uh, a freshman for Arizona. Uh, their basketball team, and, and he got into a car accident. And a doctor, like, in, as part of his rehabilitation, gave him a, a steroid shot, not knowing that he was going to 
join the Arizona basketball team. And so a steroid got into his body. Um, he was suspended. He, he, he was, they found it in a drug test before the season. He was suspended for the year. He made his case to the NCAA, told them about the doctor, was able to prove somehow that, uh, yeah, the doctor gave him the shot unknowingly. And the NCAA uh, accepted his reasoning and said, yeah, you, you didn't do this maliciously. We're, we're going to lift your suspension, so you're not suspended at all. But what they did say, Rui, is that uh, Alonzo Trier not allowed to play basketball until the drug uh, practically completely leaves his system. And apparently this, so, uh, apparently this drug just sits in your body for months on yeah, end. So the, pr- yeah. the problem with that is that there are always, not always, but for a, a long period of time with a lot of things, uh, there's going to be trace amounts of that in your body. And th- there's, it's, there's not much you can do about it. Yeah, exa- exactly. So apparently he's had trace amounts of this uh, in his system all season. Uh, definitely it's not an amount that could, like, in- enhance your performance in any way. It, it just gets into the blood cells. Uh, it's just that the-, the NCAA guidelines are, like, stricter than, you know, Olympic testing level guidelines in terms of having things like this in your system. It's they're basically stricter than anything. Ridiculous. That, yeah, it's what, ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, once it's so like he had to, he's basically had to sit out this entire season while not being on suspension for a drug that was at a level that couldn't possibly be performance enhancing, just because he had to wait for it to leave his body. And in the process of reading about the story, I I, I told Murray about this other guy who, who went to uh, Louisville, was a football player. Uh, he took a drug accidentally, but. Uh, it, it was like something that he had done voluntarily. So he was suspended for one year, which, uh, you know, I don't have a huge problem with that, but the, the, but the trace amounts were accidentally injected into his fatty cells instead of his muscle. And he had to wait three years. It took over a hundred drug tests to prove that like, uh, his drug, his level of that drug in his body was consistently going down, even though it was at minuscule levels spent hundreds of hours in a sauna trying to sweat it out and finally tried to get surgery to like surgically remove these fatty cells that were in his body that he, that he could not completely rid of the drug. So this is what guys are doing to try to reach like what are acceptable NCAA standards for their drug testing. All I'm saying is like, these are I, college I kids. Like, so yeah. do you know, how much do you know about this? The, the football players would he have been a, the type of prospect that could have made the NFL had he had those three years in the prime of his his growing up to to learn about the game and and play? And now maybe they cut off some years of his career, or is he just a guy that wants to play football in college? And either way, it doesn't it doesn't matter either way. Either way, the, he should be allowed to play after a reasonable amount of time um, and, and taking tests that are proving that he's, the drug is not in his system. But it, it, the, the impact on a guy's career is obviously more than the impact on a guy who just wants to play. 
I mean, it's probably impossible to know, right? Because he he was suspended for the year as a freshman, right? And was not allowed to play again until his senior year or his fifth year, basically. At that point, like you're, all, you're you're spending all that time instead of developing physically, developing as a player, developing technique. Uh, you're spending, you know, what I mean? you're spending all that time yeah. trying to get this drug out of your body so you can play again. And like at that at that point, you know, I don't care if you're a Jadavian clown, you probably don't have a shot, right? Like yep. you're, you're putting yourself in such a disadvantaged position that like it's not even fair for me to to make that assessment. Yeah, some of the NCAA rules are just so wild, man. I, I, and just the way they go about enforcing things at times is ridiculous. Sure, I will say certainly Alonzo Trier has NBA aspirations. That kid is an, an awesome basketball player. He missed uh, the first 19 games of the season, I believe. But with, with this scenario, again, it was not at a level that could be reasonably called performance-enhancing by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I think that, like, they need to create some sort of exemption where, like, if if you can see the drug, uh, if the drug is at a level where, like, it, you you can you can argue that it's it's not going to be performance enhancing, and you you consistently drug test him maybe just to make sure that it's going down at a rate that uh, that is is like usual for what would leave the body in that scenario. So you can you can't make the argument that like, oh, he's trying to maintain this super low level of, of the drug, which you would imagine would already be difficult to do anyway. And with, but, but just in case, just to get rid of that argument, you, you keep drug testing him, right, Con, you know, consistently throughout the season and make sure it's going down at a reasonable rate, and you allow him to play. Instead of making him waste his, his freshman year, which, you know, in college basketball is, amounts to a lot of guys' entire careers, now he's probably going to have to come back for his sophomore year, which I good for Arizona, I guess, but sucks for him. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I agree with you. It, sh- it should have been monitored a little bit better. And the NCAA is just behind the times when it comes to things like that, it seems. And I don't know. They they put a premium on their rules, but they don't really seem to have a humane aspect to anything. They don't look at it from uh, from a reasonable standpoint from in, in a lot of situations. So the NCAA is a long way to go before – people are going to start taking them seriously. Um, finally tonight. Go ahead. Yeah. So, there is a uh, transgendered uh, boy act, uh, high school student in the state of Texas who uh, is comp- won a state championship in uh, wrestling for, the, for girls because uh, in, in Texas high school, uh, the the law is that you are uh, required to compete uh, at your uh, assigned birth gender, and so he had to compete with the women, despite the fact that like he wanted to compete with the boys. As a result, uh, several girls refused to wrestle him, and uh, he won. He, he ended up winning the state championship after there were several defaults. Yeah, the the problem is is part of the gender reassignment therapy is the taking of testosterone, and in right. this scenario, yeah, he has like several times the the amount of testosterone as some of these ladies. So this is a you know probably a, a, it's clearly a controversial topic. Um, I have mixed feelings on this, Maria. I don't. I, why don't you? you 
do you have an, an idea of where you stand on this? Like, how do you, how do you feel about the situation? Yeah, I mean, I think at, the, at this point, since you're talking about actually actual scientific therapy and changing physiologically changing the makeup of somebody's body and pumping testosterone into them, there's got to be a point where you say, listen, they've gone through this transformation. It is what it is. It's um, it's too much of a mismatch for some for this person to be matched up with with the girls, because that that's not what they identify as anymore. And physiologically, there's been a transformation that is clear. So I don't know. I feel like it's it's not only an unfair advantage, but it's kind of it's it's kind of dangerous, perhaps, for some of these girls. Maybe this person uh, hasn't hasn't figured out their own strength, right? And somebody's arm gets broken or something like that in a wrestling match. Totally possible. It's just, you're, you're, it's, it's a, it's a tough discussion to have, of course, but I sort of lean on the side of this person is clearly doing something to be allowed to get into this other section of the of the wrestling tournament right that you said that they wanted to wrestle with the boys so just let it happen and that's that's where it's you're you're going to run into a lot of problems because it's it's more it's it goes deeper than that you know and it's a very controversial topic of course throughout the, the nation um but i would say i would lean on on the the side of just let the person do what they want and go to the, the the side of things that they want to be on, you know. Yeah, I I know what you're saying in in theory. I think that that there there are, I mean the biggest problem with with this entire thing, and there there are other uh, examples of of this sort of thing being a problem. I uh, in researching this, I read about uh, an athlete who. Uh, competed at the Olympics in, in Rio. I forget her name right now. I think it's like Sister Satana or something like that. Um, who, her body, she is a female from birth, but her body like naturally produces um, like in, a, a lot of testosterone, like several times the amount uh, of testosterone that a, that a woman, uh, you know, naturally produces uh, in most situations. And it, it it's like, Medically, uh, you know, some people think that she might be intersex, but the point is, is that like, it's an entirely natural occurrence, and so, so the, the conversation then became like, how do you, how do you make an argument like one way for the because, the the, the testosterone produced sure. in her body gave her like such a physical advantage. Uh, huh? Is it like well, that, see, that there's some, there's new information that that uh, that throws a wrinkle in what everything that I just said. Uh, and that, that's, that's why you can't really come up with a, a set law or a set rule for anything like this. It's, it's, it's a tough situation for people to handle and it'll be interesting, interesting to see where it goes going forward. As we know that, uh, the federal government has thoughts on this as well. So I, I guess throughout the where, nation, there's going to be changes. I think, I think where I'm going with this is that like, I think that we're going to have to decide ultimately uh, in sports, especially like, like testosterone is such a uh, it's, it's such a like 
valuable tool in terms of like athletics. And I realize like now they're they're you know testosterone deficient males who are like given medical exemptions to uh, be given testosterone to to reach like what are what are normal levels. But I I think that we're going to have, like in my opinion I think we should do away with that uh, in in terms of athletics because you know whether or not your like your performance is what it should be is a separate issue from the fact that like testosterone does enhance your performance and even if it, even if you want to say well like I'm just taking it back to what it what it normally should be if not my deficient for my deficiency you're still you're still using that to you know give you the advantage of being what being normal uh and I think that that while while I'm like I respect uh his right to you know take the the gender uh hormone therapy and I respect his his decision I'm not sure that like in in terms of in the world of athletics that it's it's a reasonable thing to uh to like evaluate someone athletically uh, on a situation that that they're not achieving naturally you know what I mean it, it's not a slight on how I feel about their their rights I just I don't think like you sure. can I think the agenda in sports is separate from the agenda in in terms of you know being a human being. And I I think this is one of those situations where like I I don't I I think that if you I I, I think that not everyone was you know meant to be in a situation where they play sports. Like I I, I think that it's more important for him to be healthy as a human being certainly. And I I wouldn't I'm not looking at it as a uh, a ban based on you know, based on gender or sex or or anything else, I, it's a ban based on. I mean, in, in what what I think should be the case, a, a ban based on the the use of drugs. And it's it's unfortunate that they're necessary, but I but I think in order to preserve the nature of sports, we have to start you know thinking like that, as opposed to the the runner of the Olympics that I referenced earlier, who like yeah, so she she produces a lot of uh, testosterone. But that's entirely natural. I think I think there's an argument to be made there that like that's that's a situation where you have so to allow when that. So when you when you say when you say ban on drugs though, I mean what kind of ban what kind of drugs are we talking about? Like wh- where do you where do you draw the line? Because there are lines drawn right now as far as p- the, the different leagues' drug policies and things like that. I was talking about testosterone specifically, and th- okay. and that's why that's why I, I expanded it even to uh, I, I think we you know because of the, the the issues that this is causing in general that we that I would reconsider uh allowing the the athletes even even um the athletes we have now who just happen to be uh you know testosterone deficient who who are taking it just to reach you know what would be argued as normal levels the the problem with that is in in my mind is again is that you're doing it unnaturally i i think that we have to in, in terms of creating a flat line, just in general for for sports going forward, as you know, uh, as medical science improves, as technology improves, you know, I, I would make the same argument for uh, a, a guy like um, Blade Runner. What's his name? Uh, Pistorius. It's like, yeah, nobody wants to, nobody wants to be the person who says he can't run, but I, I think it's a different thing when you're running on those legs. Uh, than when you're running on, you know, natural human legs. It's, 
I think you're right. Although uh, he is, because he everybody else is working their 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 quad muscle or their calf muscles, and he's really just working his quads. So it's a it's a sad state situation that he's gotten that he got into, but he still needs to uh, compete with people that are are still as able as he is. You know, and it's it's a tough it, it's a tough thing to talk about. Uh, so it, it's, that's why there are organizations that draw the lines and write up those laws and have discussions about it and things like that. But I don't I don't feel like I'm qualified to have it have a solid take on any of that stuff. So that's why yeah, I sort of tiptoe around the subject. But either way, I don't have anything else tonight, Calvin. Unless unless you do. Uh, I forgot what topics I skipped over, but we only have, well, we only have five minutes left in the show anyway. Yeah, so I don't think you really skipped over much anyway. Yeah, not much. Oh yeah, there, there was a Louisville kid who, uh, yeah, he, I, I feel bad for him because he, he he was one of those halftime guys who they bring out to try to make some shots, and he he made a a, a layup, a free throw, a three pointer, and then a half court shot, and uh, he won thirty eight thousand uh, dollars. But the uh, the, oh, yeah. the corporation that uh, yeah the corporation that like offered the promotion rescinded the deal because uh, they had a stipulation that said if you if you have played high school you could have played high school basketball essentially in but if you play basketball uh, at any level within the, the six years of uh, of doing this situation that you're not allowed to win the money but my my issue is is like they brought him up there. You know what I mean? Yeah, where's your due diligence? Don't shouldn't you have a form? Shouldn't I mean, maybe he signed the form, but shouldn't you be asking the the people this? Like, do you have any prior basketball experience? That's probably why most of the people that take these shots can't actually make them, and they look like fools. And why it's so crazy when somebody makes them all. But yeah, this poor kid made the shots. Yeah. Not not doesn't get the money. Yeah, and, and by the way. But just just because just because you played high school basketball doesn't mean that you're going to hit uh, a three pointer and a half court shot in front of a million people. It's still it's still really hard to do. Not a million people, but you get what I'm saying. In front of yeah, you know seventeen thousand, however many sure. people are are, are uh, in that arena. So, so especially uh, under that the, the pressure of that situation, and most importantly, it's like they brought him up there and they said he had to do these things to win thirty eight thousand dollars, like. It's your. It's not his bad unless unless he lied. If it if it comes out that he lied about playing basketball and they asked him ahead of time, then I think you have a case for not paying yeah, them the money. But you you can't retroactively take something away from somebody that you chose to give it to, uh, just because like they didn't meet a guideline that they didn't know about. Like that that's completely unfair. Don't have him take shots in the first place, then. And by the way, like even if he like I said he does play high school basketball. Uh, that's like that's like going to a lottery winner and saying, "Oh, you won the lottery six years ago. You're not you're not eligible again." It's still really hard to do, and I, I feel like he deserves credit for that. <laughs> and 30, Thirty grand's not a million bucks. Just give it to him. I agree. You know what? Nowadays, I'm sure somebody will come out with some sort of GoFundMe or whatever, what have you, and a Kickstarter, whatever you want for for this guy to to get his. Thirty-eight thousand dollars, and he'll he'll be well off at this point because he's a national story. He just made careless whispers on CLNS Radio. He's a big deal. Oh yeah, I hope so. <laughs> People are googling it right now, Calvin. All right, buddy, that's that's it for us. They, wow, she, the lady, the BTR lady, just said ninety seconds in my ear. I haven't heard that in a while. Uh, nice. So thank you all for listening. 
Much appreciated. We'll talk to you next time here on Careless Whispers. Good night, everyone.